To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. This episode is also brought to you by PBNJoey.com. Simple, honest, and delicious. Go to PBNJoey.com for the all-new dark roast coffee. That's PBNJoey.com for more information. PBNJoey.com. Hey, folks, open an account today with Weeble, and with just a $100 deposit, you'll get four free stocks. And if you refer a friend, you'll get two more. Such a simple way to start a portfolio with the power of a desktop, tablet, or cell phone. With Weeble, you'll get zero commission fees, access to pre-market trading, and in-depth analytical tools for more advanced users. If you want to support this program, go to positivesarcasm.com, click on the Weeble banner in the contact section. That way, I'll get free stocks, and you'll get free stocks. Now, that's something most of us can agree on. Terms and conditions do apply. See Weeble.com for more information. Thank you to Weeble, and please trade responsibly. Or housewives, so they're generally hitting the Moscato too because they need something sweet in their lives because their husband is sour. That ring on your finger? Some pygmy died digging that out of a hole for you to say I do and ruin some guys like, you know, look at that dude. He's got a hernia shaped like a bag of pretzels that he just ate. You're going to Thailand, you're going to smash some dude. Going over there for guy time, but it's not with his buddies. What does it say on the bottle? Well, if it says that on the bottle, why did you put it on your head? All these actors did was shut their mouths because they didn't want to be run out of Hollywood. Now a bad batch of Chinese food has you blowing insurance premiums on vitamin f***ing D. Really? Too much. <laughs> That's what we're I going sound like for Bill Maher. Really, John? Really? really? We can't do this anymore, auntie. I'll see you at the bar mitzvah. It's almost like it never existed, but it f***ing did. So do me a favor. Go f*** yourself! Sarcasm.com recorded here from the sandbox. Find me on Instagram at positive underscore sarcasm. You can find me on Facebook.com slash POS sarcasm. Support this podcast and support all things PS. Positive sarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. If you're looking for posing music, qu- queries, fitness suggestions, uh, 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 anything positive sarcasm related for clients, video stuff, audio work, whatever, just email me, positive sarcasm at outlook.com. I am successfully back at New Hampshire's beautiful seacoast, and at least for the next nine months I get to soak in, well, gotta be honest, pretty damn cold up in this mother, if you know what I mean, but um, I'm gonna be here. For quite some time and uh it's nice i you know i i have obviously i have all this other stuff that i want to get to because i've been away for a little bit a whale bit but there has been a lot of things that i've noticed since i've been here things that are just first of all i'm in hampton beach which is slash paradise slash shithole slash blue collar slash white collar slash cottages slash two million dollar homes um, it's a hodgepodge of everything you would want minus murder. It's really, uh, it really is great to be down here. I mean, is it, it never is the perfect scenario when you finally just barely cross the finish line, when you're crawling across the finish line. But, I mean, I, I am here. And every day has just been like, this is really cool. And uh, I really enjoy being down here, and it was well 
was it worth the wait? Well, I mean, I shouldn't have had to wait, but I'm don't regret it for a second. Not one second. But I mean, there are some you you take it for what it is, but I love the ocean and I'm glad to be down here, obviously. It is a dream come true, and I only hope to keep it going when this 9 months uh, is up. But we'll see. Um, like, it's a little taste of, of paradise for me. And we'll see if I can, uh, you know, keep it in the ballpark or maybe, uh, I don't know. We'll just, we'll just see. But from what I've noticed so far, um, it's definitely entertaining if not to say anything else. So where I am, there, I mean, as far as like a health person that I am, I'm glad I'm going into the off season because let's face it, uh, in, in one, in one direction, I've got, um, I've got a, a, you know, it's 10 cent wings every Wednesday. And then, then down the road and right on the other side of me is a fried chicken joint. And then right across the street is uh, Christie's uh, Pizza. So it's like, it's, everything is right around me. I mean, it's just so, it's so tempting to just shove it, food in my face. Uh, which I'm still doing anyways, but... I'd rather use the money for other things, you know, like, you know, putting towards my Mustang and blah, 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 blah. You know, I just bought this prominent chin spoiler to replace the one uh, on it, right? But um, being in this environment is quite entertaining. It's enjoyable. And the people, I, it is true. When you're down here, it's the people down here are more enjoyable. It's something about water, something about the ocean, something about the air, something about the salt, something about being in a sense, at the end of your world. And that's what makes it so fantastic. Um, this is the sandbox, because literally the fucking floor is covered in sand. Like, I, there's nothing I can do. I go for, you know, I go for a stroll every morning. Chase is right here. I can't, uh, I can't say the word, you know, walk or help. Like, Bruh! But, um, every morning, every evening, every weekend, uh, it's just we're on the beach and I, I take him off and just go. And he gets to breathe it in and, and see what life is like down here. And I'm sake and I'm obviously sharing this joy with him, but people most people are really nice and want to introduce their dogs and they want to talk about what's going on here. And one girl was like, Oh my god, he's so cute, you blah 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 and just I'm like, Yeah, he's the best and means everything to me and then I, I'm, I'm literally at um, a car wash. I'm at this car wash. And this woman who I don't, I've never met before in my life, some, some, some uh, you know, woman who's got a few years on me, just tells me her whole life story about she got into a fight with her husband and Rye PD got involved and she owns a $2 million house in Rye Beach. And it's just like telling me all these things. It's like, Okay, well, I'm just going to sit here and take because I don't know who else she has the chance to tell us to or if she's just a chatty Cathy or maybe she's just a really nice open person who can see on my face that I've been through a lot and I'm just glad to be here. But she tell, I mean, just so open there. I mean, I'm literally just cleaning my car and I have my dog in the car and, we're, I'm, and she's just comes over and very unassuming uh, person just cleaning out, vacuuming out her Toyota Prius. But apparently, she drives her Toyota Prius to a $2 million piece of property. Um, I mean, I'm living in a very small square footage house all to myself. But, you know, I don't care if this stupid house was parked next to her house 
in Rye, that to me would be the ultimate dream come true. So we're getting there. We're getting there. We're just one town line over. But it's like so great to be like, oh, I'm meeting these people and I'm, I'm really happy to be here. And they seem very appreciative of me being here. And people are seeing me every single day. And they're like, look at that happy guy with his happy, with his happy puppy and just being happy. And, and that's what it is. And I'm just, that's how I choose to be. And um, yeah, there's no regrets about the, the hard work it took to get down here. Um, so I'm just going to keep the party going, but that my experiences in Hampton so far have been, you know, people with lots of money being really nice to me, uh, uh, people who are just road tripping, being really nice to me, locals being really, really nice to me. And of course, you know, Chase as well, because, uh, he deserves it. He's uh, sleeping on the couch. He's right next to me. Like I can just lean over and, and pat his head, you know? So that's one of my, and there, of course, the first like weekend I was truly here, um, I was waiting to cross the street. And generally when you're on uh, Hampton beach, people are relatively nice about letting you just, they, they stop and they let you cross Or in some places it's like, nah, fuck you, you know, fend for yourself. Um, but they generally do let me cross. There's this guy, uh, who was in a scooter and he slowed down rather quickly. And we were about to cross when a white Honda Odyssey slams into him, blows up the guy's scooter. The guy lands on the dude's hood and falls to the ground. His license plate is off the scooter on the ground. The scooter is, from what it seems like, in pretty bad shape. And the two of them, the driver of the scooter and the driver of the Honda Honda Odyssey, start laughing because apparently they know each other and apparently they think it's funny to slam a minivan into a scooter so the guy starts laughing and i'm like you two know each other and i'm like all right moving on so i just continue to walk across the street as this guy picks up his license plate puts it in the little thingy there gets on his scooter and drives away it's like all right, well, that the, that's life down here. Fine with me. Everybody knows each other. Everybody treats each other like bumper cars. Now, first of all, there's a lot of beautiful cars that go up and down this strip every single weekend. Or no, every single day, for that matter. I see this beautiful, uh, like, lime blue something like Chevy Corsair. I see lots of muscle cars. I see classics. I It's, aw- it's awesome to see... The aesthetics of some of these cars, including my own, which is in really, really good shape right now after it's an extremely expensive detail. Um, so, I mean, that is some of the experiences so far that I've had here. The nightlife is is pretty decent, even though we're going into the off season. Um, generally, during the weekends, it was it's pretty bumping, but it's about to die down significantly. And then you'll start to see some of that traffic move towards the apple orchards and the vineyards, and more towards Hampton uh, Lafayette, which is the strip of restaurant, indoor restaurants and indoor stuff over there. And there's a long strip there. I mean, I went to Shane's Tex-Mex Barbecue over there in Standard Hampton, in, uh, uh, in Village District Hamp, not Village District, this is the Village District, but uh, the town area, the center of town. And there's all kinds of food, and Shane's Tex-Mex, which was delicious, by the way, um, it was the first time I've actually sat 
First of all, sat with my nephew at a restaurant only a few times. This is the one time I sat at a place and I go, this is actually really good. Like, I could come back here and eat. Um, but just great. And the shopping here is good. And you know what? The gas station prices actually are pretty cheap. Oddly enough. Um, generally closer to the seacoast, shit's more expensive. Well, gas is generally more expensive. And... Um, Meat prices and generally are more expensive when you get it. But it, like I don't know, when I first got here, food prices were relatively cheap. But you know because we have you know retards running the United States. I mean basically at this point, all of a sudden uh, a three dollar steak turned into a nine dollar steak. So I've got that going for me, which is fucking great. But I mean we still him and I still eat like princes, and uh, I managed to accomplish uh, one little uh, victory while I was also down here. Uh, I managed to accomplish in a 1998 Lincoln Continental, I achieved 22.5 miles per gallon in a 32-valve dual-overhead cam um, V8 engine that has to lug around a 4,000-pound body. Now, a joyous occasion. Now, why would I give a shit? Well, because... I'm driving a car that is an old man's car. It's an old boat. And because it's an old boat, it doesn't take a lot of power to get this car moving. Because they generally, those old man cars, those Lincolns um, and those old Cadillacs, don't require a lot of RPMs to get them moving up to highway speeds. We're talking like, you can cruise in this car at like 12 to 1300 RPMs. Because they're just sailboats. Literally, when you start the car, a mast comes out of the goddamn roof. But I was just, I'm like, okay, well, this is a cruising car. The Mustang, I tend to roll around in third and fourth gear because I like to hear the rumble. And that's what that car is for. So I sacrificed one or two MPGs to get that Mustang feel. But the Lincoln, the Lincoln is all about quiet, comfy boat ride. Whether you're at 30 miles an hour or 70 miles per hour. Now, so it's like, okay, well, if I'm not going to put my foot down, well, let me just cruise. And then I noticed that as I kind of changed my habits, because I'm in an environment where I don't have to be like, come on, let's go, the fucking light's green! It's find it to be more like, oh, I'm just going to coast to work. I'm just going to coast to the, 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 the beach, or I'm going to coast up north, or I'm going to coast here, or coast to this gig. I'm going to do uh, whatever I want, but at a speed that's more humane. I'm only going to do five to seven over the speed limit, Instead of like fucking 20. So in the Lincoln, I'm just kind of cruising along. And I noticed that when I reset the gauge, I'm like, all right, well, I was originally getting like 17.5 or 18 miles per gallon, but now I'm cruising. I'm like, oh, I'm okay, I'm at 21. All right, well, now I'm at 20.5. And then all of a sudden, I start, I'm like, ah, well, I'll probably get to maybe like 21 point something. And then it's like, oh, getting close to 22. And it's like, all right, there's no way I can hit 22. Boom, I hit 22. I was like, sweet, I accomplished something. It's like, oh. Then one day I was continuously driving again, calm. No, never going above 2,000 RPMs. I can literally drive anywhere I want except for the highway over 65 at under 2,000 RPMs. So it goes to 22.1. I'm like, oh, okay. 22.2, 22.3. And I'm like, hmm, can I get this car? Can I get this giant V8 sailboat up to 22.5 miles per gallon? And for weeks, it sat there at 22.4 miles per gallon. And I was like, it was a good run, but 
literally, I can't nurse it anymore. I'm literally, it's like, okay, now it's just not possible. Unless I uh, uh, wax the car to the point where it's like a fucking dolphin going through the ocean. There's no way I can get 22.5. So it just sat there at 22.4 as I coasted softly um, on my way to do whatever I was going to do. And then sure enough, one day I was just kind of rolling around through the town of Rye, and the next thing you know, I saw that digital dial just say, Bing! 22.5 miles per gallon in a car that's 22, excuse me, 12, the 10, that's 20, well, oh jeez, this is embarrassing. I forgot how to do math on my own podcast. Um, 20, so that's... 22, give me a minute, 23 years old. 23 years old, and I managed to accomplish 22.5 miles per gallon in this thing. So, I mean, there's nothing else I can do after that, because the car already takes the maximum amount of tests that you can pretty much get at your standard gas tank, uh, gas station, which is like 93. So, I mean, the only way I could probably get a little bit more is maybe if I wax the shit out of it and give it like a really slick body, but... I don't see that happening. It's got good tires. And 22.5 miles per gallon in a car like that is a great accomplishment. And, uh, I mean, I only drive it maybe four or 5,000 miles a, uh, per year because it's, it's a winter car. So um, since I own it, since I got it, I've only put maybe 4,000 miles on it. So it's a great compliment to what else I drive. But I've talked about this before. But it was a great moment to, like, these are the little things. It's like if you work a little harder, you can achieve... 22.5 miles. That's my whole life story. I'm working so hard to acquire 22.5 per gallon. That's my joyous... That is my achievement for the month of September as we round out this beautiful month with more bullshit to come. Aqua. Uh, so, that's one thing I've been doing as I've been cruising Oceanside every single morning watching the sunrise. As I said, this is the only place... Um, that I can beat the sun. Or excuse me, the sun can beat me. But I did watch the sunrise the other morning as I was just going for uh, a stroll with my, my best my best friend and my, my four-legged son. Love you, son. <laughs> um, and all of a sudden, I was like, oh, man, did I just beat the sun? And all of a sudden, as I'm walking, just like, boop, I just see the little crest coming over the water from the, the world so seemingly so far away. And uh, that was also cool. So I got that going for me, which is also awesome. So that was another thing. Um, so there is that. Now, while I've been away, obviously the world has gone to shit. The stock market gets extremely volatile. Um, our, 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 our political system has uh, become um, extremely uh, 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 chaotic. And uh, we'll see what happens. Um, but... I have a thought here, and allow me to kind of just see if I can exercise it and get it on the hamster wheel and see if it grows, uh, gets some legs here. So, according to, now we all know about, the, even as, as soon as last year hit, uh, there were shortages and things because people went nuts and bought everything off the shelves, and, and then because of, you know, we didn't know what was going on, Supply chains got come to a full stop until we figured out what's going on. Then they got backed up. Well, we're still suffering from that. So I want to just do a brief article here that I found. 
and then we'll talk about um, my thought about what could potentially happen uh, going forward. So let's see if I can exercise this thought and see where it takes me. So right now, this is this one's from the LA Business Journal uh, by uh, Medea. Yeah, Daya, DiMartino. Um, so with some sixty containing. 60 container cargo ships idling at the entrance of the port complex last week. Traffic congestion in, uh, in the San Pedro Bay shows no signs of letting up. The Port of Los Angeles processes 954,377 20-foot equivalent units of cargo last month. That's what it processed last month. About the same as in August of 2020 and a 10.8% increase from 861,080 uh, TEUs it moved during the last the same period in 2019. Imports reached 485,672 TEUs, a 6% decrease compared to August of 2020. The cargo volume for the first eight months of the year at the port added up to 7.27 million 12-20-foot equivalent units of cargo increase of 30.3% compared to the same period in 2020. In September, the port is expecting about 930,000 TEUs compared to about 880,000 last year. October figures to be busy too. Port of Los Angeles Executive Director Gene Soroka put next month's forecast at 950,000. Quote, for the full year, we are now estimating 10.8 million 20-foot equivalent units, and if achieved, that would be a 14% increase over 2018, which was our best calendar year performance in the course of the 114-year history, he said. He? Sure, why not? Gene? He? Whatever. Um, anyways, exports, however, continue their downward slide. They decreased 22.9 to 101,292 TEUs, while the volume of the empty containers climbed to 367,413 TEUs, a 17% uptick. Exports have been down 30 of the last 34 months. Well, we must go, we must get our exporters back in the game, Soroka said. We've made some very solid recommendations to the Biden administration, including creating the right incentives and start turning around these numbers quickly. The port of Long Beach processed 807,704 TEUs last month, up 11.3% from the same month in 2020, and it's the best uh, August on record. Imports were up 11.7% to the 407, 426,426 TEUs, while exports decreased 5.3 to 109,951, while the volume of empty containers headed back to overseas jumped 19.7%. 280,794 TEUs. It's peak season now, but we're likely to see continued cargo growth well into 2023. Port of Long Beach Executive Director Mario Cordura said. So, basically breaking down is this. We got a shitload of cargoes, of cargo stuff, sitting in the actual port on dry land. We also have over 60 container ships just sitting there, you know, anchored in the port with tons and tons and tons of goods. Anything from toilet paper to Amazon purchases to eBay purchases to normal parts and, and, and goods and medical equipment and cars. Everything. Everything you can imagine. 
is on those ships from Korea, Japan, to China, to Vietnam, to Malaysia, to Australia. All these, all the, all, whatever's being made there gets in these containers and comes here to the United States. And one of the places it goes to is this L.A. port. So all that shit sitting in there while prices are through the fucking roof. So if prices are through the roof because we have a shortage on all kinds of stuff because of this whole COVID thing. Now, let's put it this way. If all this stuff is on there, we have a semiconductor shortage. We have cars that are having to arrive on time. We have food shortages for various reasons. We have people because they work at home or they don't want to leave their house. There's still a ton of, they're ordering more stuff from these ports. You know, uh, 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 furniture stores and, and clothing stores trying to get all their materials coming through these sh uh, coming through these uh, ports as well. But all this stuff is just sitting there. They're having shortages. Their prices are high because we don't have enough stuff. Now, we've got 60 containers just sitting in this port right now. We also have all this shit just sitting there, all these truckers. And then the price of, of gasoline is through the roof, diesels through the roof. So the prices of all that shit goes through the roof. I'm just wondering, oh, with everything so high and having such a shortage, what's going to happen when things get flowing and all of a sudden these ports, the stuff that's on dry land starts getting into stores, starts getting into grocery stores, starts getting into department stores, starts getting into people's uh, doorsteps. And then the 60 and then all the container ships that are sitting in the bay all of a sudden get unloaded. What happens when the market gets flooded with all this garbage? It's all flooded with all these cars, all these clothes, all these goods and services and auto parts and semiconductors and things that we wanted a year ago, six months ago, two weeks ago, but are now just arriving. And because maybe there was a huge semiconductor shortage, we decided to take a different route. And now we no longer need this uh, that amount of semiconductors leaving this giant supply, but less demand. And then all its other stuff, a giant supply and less demand. Well, what are you going to do with all that shit? Just throw it in a warehouse? No, you've got to dump your supply. So you got two options. Sell it to another wholesale, wholesaler or plummet the prices. The prices will most likely plummet. They don't know what to do with this stuff. They have to get rid of it. Prices will come crashing down. Profit margins will come crashing down. What's that going to do to the market? The actual stock market when all these all this shit that's in this fucking stuffed harbor. And look at this fucking picture. This thing is insane. Can I zoom out on that? I mean, and there's there's container ships all over the. I mean, all just sitting there, parked, waiting, idling, doing whatever, and all of a sudden, all that stuff gets dumped into friggin' in, into department stores and everything. How how's that gonna ha what's gonna happen? The prices have to come down. Somebody has to buy this shit. I mean, all this stuff is gonna end up at TJ Maxx, so I'm gonna find some killer T-shirts. I can tell you that much. But this is. What I'm, I'm thinking in my head could possibly take place once this stuff hits its destination. And it can it's anything. It's everything. It goes to Walmart. It goes to Target. It goes to Macy's. It goes to, to, to shoe stores. It goes to, to, to dealerships. All this stuff. 
It goes to companies that ordered radios, ordered computers, ordered technology equipment from this thing to that thing. It ordered raw parts, raw materials. It's all sitting there. And these truckers have to deliver all of it. They eventually will. And eventually those prices, I don't think they'll even out. I think they'll crash. I think they'll just crash. Because eventually people won't need all this shit. Or they won't be able to afford all this shit. Or they'll have already spent it on other shit. And then these prices will come crashing down. Now that's going to hurt the market. The question is, is it going to crash the market? Right now there's a lot of volatility in the stock market. But, I mean, that's due to other things that you've probably read about in the news that the, they're, they're trying to scare you with. Which, I mean, they might be valid with that scaring. But these are some of the things that I'm looking at. So, um, I wanted to bring that up as like the first thing back now that I'm, I'm back here podcasting. This is like the one thing I'm focused on. There's all these goods and stuff. This isn't the only port too. There's other places where stuff is coming from. And also, we're not making enough stuff to get shipped. We, we sh First of all, we should be a lot of the stuff that's in these containers, we should be making over here. Or at least some of it. At least 30% of it. I know that we could be making a lot of stuff here. A lot of that stuff here. And if we were, those containers wouldn't be going back to other harbors empty. But believe me, there's so much other bullshit that's underlying to that. But the fact that we're sending so many empty, empty, empty containers back, well, one of the easiest conclusions to lead to, and it may not be the only conclusion, it could be a variety of reasons. One is nobody wants our shit. Or two, we're not making enough shit. Or we're not making enough good shit. But the fact is, we need to make more shit so that people can buy it. Okay? So, that is one of the things. But I am concerned that it, this isn't going to be a soft, a softening. I don't think, I don't think it is. I don't think it's going to be a soft landing. I think it's going to be a thud. I think it's going to crash hard. So, these are uh, some of the dumb things that I've constantly seeing. Um... In, in, in the news or in general because, you know, supplies are pretty ridiculous and I tend to, I tend to, when I order things, this is another thing keep that in mind, when I order stuff online uh, 9 times out of 10, 9 times out of 10, I'm buying within the United States, which means it's already here, it's in an Amer it's in an American warehouse or a North American warehouse, whether it's in Canada or whether it's in the United States or whether it's in Mexico, or it's in South America. But whether it is coffee that I'm ordering, supplements from Canada that I'm ordering, or stuff in the United States that I'm ordering, it's here. So it's not going to take as long. It generally, when I order stuff, it generally gets here in about a week. Um, and then that's that. So, And I don't order a lot of stuff. But, you know, from time to time, I want to make some upgrades to the car, and I give it a, I give it a couple days couple extra days because i know things are slow but i am concerned that it's going to be a major crash this is another factor to the, all this stuff is going to hit somewhere it's going to land somewhere and then they're going to have to figure out a way to sell it or not i don't know but this is not a good thing to look at it's not a good thing to look at so uh, i wanted to bring that up um let's go ahead and i, I actually since i'm back i might as well just kind of lead with this but um i mean there was other podcasters that talked about the emmys um there were other podcasters that have talked about uh, uh you know 
more party politics stuff. And uh, I let them set the stage for that since I've been away. I've been mostly focused on just getting unpacked and creating new content. And also, so I have new content uploading for my music channel. Um, I'm still working out the kinks because I have, uh, I've moved the, I switched roles for some, some of my computers. Right now, That what's running the podcast, the music reaction channel, is an Asus Republic of Gamers uh, computer. And I'm, I'm having some issues um mostly because of the OBS uh, uh, platform that I use to record the videos. Uh, it's causing some blue screening issues and I'm, I'm tr because I have an NVIDIA graphics card, I'm just trying to figure that out. Um, so making that switch and all the templates that I use to make the, uh, 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 make the videos, I'm working that out. So these are other things that I've been working on for the most part and then just getting acquainted down here and coming up with a routine, um, which I'm very good at establishing. Um, so these are other things that I've been working on. But, you know, Eventually, you have to stop making excuses, and you have to start producing content, which is why I took the liberty. If you want to go and check out my original YouTube channel, Positive Sarcasm, uh, I dropped a five-and-a-half-minute video called Home For Now. It's a very nice video. It's a nice little uh, tip of the cap to people who uh, had to really, you know, rough it out uh, through last year and are still trying to rough it out. Just, you know, tip of the hat to everybody who's not making any excuses and trying to bust their ass. And uh, it leads with a nice montage of just being by the ocean. If you work hard for something, you can actually achieve it. Um, and hopefully that individual dream can uh, be possible for all, as long as we're responsible and we keep our eyes on the prize. This video, called Home For Now, uh, is for you. But also for me, because I made it. I'm here, and uh, I'll be here for a while. Anyways, um, what hasn't changed... Well, what probably will change for articles is I may also start using some articles from Substack because dig.com doesn't really have that much for articles. There's one about the moon, but I'll look at that another time. The uh, But Substack, I'll try to get into a little bit more because there's some of my favorite writers there, like Barry Weiss or or, or uh, Glenn, Glenn Greenwald or Matt Taibbi. So I'll try to look into those a little bit more. But dig.com still does have that one thing that I generally end all podcasts with, and that's Dig Q&A. So, but remember, in order to support this channel, it's very important. Go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. And of course, you can also find me through the Venmo app. Uh, Venmo at positive uh, sarcasm. You'll, you'll, you'll know it when you see it. Um, and if you have any questions uh, about how to use the Venmo app for some reason, you can go ahead and just email me positive sarcasm at outlook.com. Anyways, Let's go ahead and uh, do this right and close out with some Q&A for this week's podcast here at The Sandbox. What's the best way to reapply for a job at a company that threatened to call the authorities on me? I applied for the job of my dreams. No, the job of my life. The best job you can ever have in your wildest dreams. Long story short, I got rejected from the job. I was overly eager and contacted the lady who was, hiring the, who was the hiring manager. Anyways, I was looking at Craigslist and saw they have a few more openings. So I want to talk to, a, to the HR manager and address the situation and own, own up to my mistakes and make things better and right. I need to do this for myself. I might just make, take, the, take charge and volunteer myself to do something uncomfortable and step outside my com comfort zone. What do I do and say? As a side note, the HR manager told me I'm no longer allowed to email a lady I was emailing. And if I do, they will take immediate action and may call the proper authorities. I just do not know what to say. It is best I just go in the office and talk face-to-face. -face, or do I call or email? If so, what do I say and do? Don't ever... Okay. This is not the job of your dreams. Look, I got to tell you something. Whatever you're thinking, it's not right. This is... 
you actually have an issue here. Like, you have an actual issue. Like, there's a problem here. And, um, I don't, it's not, it's something that you need to talk to somebody about. You need to understand this could be the, this scenario could be the same with a girl or with a, a bad habit. Um, this is something where you have to stay away and go cold turkey and do not approach this place. There's something here, um, that I'm seeing that is extremely damaging. And you have to, you think it's the job of your dreams, the job of your life. No, it's not. It's a corporate job. It's a bullshit job. And there'll be plenty of other bullshit jobs going forward. You have to, at all costs, stay away from this place in every way, shape, or form. Delete the numbers. Don't look at it at Craigslist anymore. Don't go near it. Because the only thing that's going to happen is you're going to have a fucking restraining order or you could be put in handcuffs or worse. Do yourself a favor. There's no reason you need to even go in there. No corporate job is ever worth, ever worth this shit. And let's face it, you're not worth it to them. They're, henceforth, they're not worth it to you. You need to just leave this alone. This is a psycho situation. And you just need to accept the fact that they don't like you. And look, not everybody in the world is going to like you. And guess what? Chances are half the world already hates your guts anyways. So accept that and move on. Just don't go near this place again. Do yourself that favor. Continue on to the next one. Ooh, money's nice. Do I have to chip in $500 for a friend's engagement party when there was no discussion of sharing the cost beforehand? Hmm. I'm a bridesmaid. And the maid of honor just sent everyone in the wedding party a request for $500 each for, e for the engagement party we held for the couple last week. Spoiler alert, most of the bridal party doesn't have $500 each to contribute to the party. And the real kicker is, the real kicker for me at least, was that the budget for the party was never discussed. I'm happy to contribute a certain amount, but definitely not $500. How do I and the rest of the bridal party communicate this to the maid of honor without causing a total shit show? We also don't want the bride to be aware that this is an issue because we don't want to cause more stress. Is that an unrealistic expectation? None of the bridesmaids have responded to her request yet, so who's responsible for putting the bill for this party? Is there a good way to approach the maid of honor about this? Well, don't pay for something that you can't afford. Don't pay more than you can afford. If it wasn't discussed... <sighs> crack my neck. If it wasn't discussed then there's a significant issue here. It's the maid of honor's job. Job. It's her duty as the maid of honor to make sure everything goes smoothly, not just throw $500 bills at people and expect them to have it paid right away. That's the maid of honor's... The maid of honor's screwed up. And it's the maid of honor's job to make sure that this gets fixed. And not and not fixed by mean have everybody cough up 500 bills and they can't afford it. If none of them can afford it and this wasn't discussed, this is 100% on the maid of honor. 100%. She totally screwed up. And if, she, it, if it causes a shit show, it's not on you. You guys weren't aware, but you were willing to soften the blow on the total amount of $500 each. What the hell was it for? How expensive was the male stripper? But the I've, in either case, the fact is that she wants $500 from everybody, and she, she's about to cause a total shit show, and that's on her. I don't know. I don't know what else. Look, you're not in the wrong, though. I can tell you that much. You're not in the wrong. And you do need to talk to the other bridesmaids and be like, look, this is ridiculous. So, anyways, moving on to the next one. Don't, whatever you do, though, don't talk to the bride. Unless there's a, a consensus that it should be discussed. 
How can I get my seven-year-old to do the homework assignments I have arbitrarily chosen for her? I'm having serious difficulties motivating my seven-year-old son to do homework. Yeah, because homework sucks. Seven-year-olds don't want to do homework. And school is bullshit right now anyways. Moving on. This isn't homework from school. I have... I'm having kind of seven-year-old. Okay. This isn't I have her. Excuse me. It's a chick. Daughter. I have her in Kumon and piano and ask her to do about five to ten minutes of each per day and a few times per week. I also want to read her to read 15 minutes a day and complete a vocab or writing assignment. Homework from school is very light and it's way too easy for her. But I don't press it because it's it's often just busy work. She excels at school and got great marks in first grade. Her math and reading assignment put her at fifth grade level. Very proud of her and I want her to continue to excel. Because school is too easy, particularly during the pandemic, I don't believe she will continue on her path unless I work with her at level outside of school. I've tried many different approaches, giving her freedom to do at her schedule, taking away her screen time. None of it works. We have horrible fights of this stuff. I get very frustrated when I have to spend hours getting her to do short assignments. I end up screaming and she ends up in tears. What should I do? My wife is debilitated, so I basically function as a single dad to her and her younger sibling. My wife's wife's health situation definitely impacts her, but it's not new. Our home life has been this way for five years. You need to stop pushing the kids so hard. You, you really gotta... Yeah, you really gotta... This is... If your kid is a goddamn genius, let your kid be a genius and let your kid discover what makes them truly happy because it looks like your kid's not gonna have an identity crisis. Your kid's gonna have a mental breakdown if you keep fucking yelling at her. But steering her in the right direction is never a bad thing. But if your kid is already a freaking genius, allow that kid's already super busy brain to breathe a little bit and allow her to seek interests that, as a seven-year-old, find she finds interesting. And then be like, well, if you want to do this, you got to stay focused. But this other stuff, you're just trying to overload them with bullshit. Remember, the kid is seven. So what are you doing? You gotta ba You have to seriously back off. And if it's hurting, you, you feel like your wife's health situation, I think you just fucking, your wife is completely checked out at this point and doesn't want to bother. And that's why you feel like you're a single dad. But I think you're just overbearing and a control freak. And you got to slow down a bit. You have a smart kid. You can back off. And I think that would ultimately make a healthier family. Let's continue on to the next one. Boy, I'm doing good today. Back. Should I let my daughter try on my wedding dress for fun, even though she says she doesn't ever want to get married? I'm cleaning out my closet and have decided to sell my wedding dress from 21 years ago. I love the dress. It's beautiful. But it's a very large box store. My 16-year-old daughter has made it clear to me that she will never marry. It was difficult for me to accept as she's my only daughter. Thing is, she wants to try my dress on. I don't want her to, to because she doesn't agree with the sanctity of marriage or the commitment of it. And I don't want my wedding dress tried on by anyone who feels this way about marriage. It means more than playing dress up. I believe it should be worn only by someone who respects it. Am I wrong? Does my daughter have the right to hurt my hurt my daughter have a right to have hurt feelings over this? Well, okay. She's 16. Is she going to change her mind? Most probably. Most probably. She's 16 years old. I'm never going to get married. Blah, 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 blah. All right. Cut to 10 years from now. Fucking married with two kids. 
16 years old. What the fuck does she know? Her brain's not even fully developed. She's still freaking stupid. She's she's in high school. She just learned how to drive. She doesn't know shit. She doesn't know shit. Just wait. As far as that goes, as far as the whole I'm never getting married, yeah, okay. Me? I'll probably never get married because I've tried like three times. It just doesn't work. Um, as far as her trying on the dress, well... Um, well, I guess that's your decision. It's your dress. I don't know if she's going to resent you for it. I mean, it is a dress, and you, you just plan on selling it and being done with it, or or, or what? I mean, she's 16. She wants to try on the dress. I, You know what? Maybe it'll change her mind. Maybe it'll change her mind. It might change her mind. I don't know. She may have a moment of, of when she has has that dress. Not immediately. Like, trying the dress. Be like, oh, that's cute. Then, like, five years later, she'd be like, I remember when I tried on your dress, and it made me think. And it's, it's got me thinking. I remember that moment. Well... That is something to consider, and although you feel it is more... Now, I'm this way about, you know, certain things, too. Um, but this is something you're thinking about selling. So if you're thinking about selling it, maybe it would be worth saying, well, before I get rid of this, why don't you try this on? It means a lot to me, but I can't store it anymore. I, I, think, I think it wouldn't be a bad idea for you to consider... Just consider. I don't want. I don't want to push you into thinking like you have to do this. If you're gonna get rid of the dress, it might not be a bad idea for her to try it on. Because maybe she'll change her her thoughts about you, her thoughts about marriage. Maybe or not. Maybe it'll just be a little moment in time that never really accumulated or grew into anything. But it wouldn't hurt to at least give it a shot. But don't push her on anything. You'd be like, all right, you want to try it on? All right, before we... Yeah. Anyways. On to the next one. How can I get my friend to stop taking unflattering photos of people and then sharing them with mean comments? I've been friends with Keith for 15 years. We talk almost daily. We wear the same things and go on some road trips every year. For the most part, I enjoy his company. Here's the problem. Keith loves to sneak cell phone photos of people he knows. Invariably, the photos are unflattering, Sometimes they are just mean. He has taken photos of friends who have gained weight, photos showing how they are dressed, and photos that make fun of how much they just ate. One friend has some medical issues. Keith snaps photos that make him look extra sick or photos of his medical problem, such as his hair when his hair is falling out. The worst part is he sends the photos to other friends and has always writes something snarky or funny. If he does this with all of his friends, I'm sure he does it with me too. I told him to stop, it's hurtful and strange, but eventually it does it again. Uh, and I find out by, but eventually he does it again, and I find out by accident. What should I do? It's kind of it's kind of a cruel behavior, kind of a mean. It's mean spirited. I'm not sure if this is a this is kind of a person who takes joy in other people's failings and misgivings and stuff like that. And you know, it's good to rag on people and and kind of. I'm okay with punching down first of all, but this is a person who has like a significant uh, sinister behavior towards them. And even if you've been friends with them for 15 years, you've been truly friends, they may consider changing their ways. But maybe they won't. But this is sinister, very poor, and definitely taught behavior that needs to be corrected. But I'm not sure if it can. But you do have to have the talk. If they're, if they're your friend, and especially friends for 15 years, 
this needs to be discussed before things escalate. Move on to the last one. Can I deface the painting my friend made for me? An artist friend offered to make a painting for my new home. I don't love her work, but I wanted to be supportive, so I agreed. Unfortunately, the abstract painting she gave me looks like something you'd find in a generic hotel hallway. I never hung it, but I have thought I might really enjoy painting if I can make if I could make some amateur lighthearted changes to it. Would that be okay? No. No, no, no. First of all, what's wrong with a hotel hallway? I mean, dude, stupid paintings should always go in houses. You just you'll always you just make room for it. Don't don't make changes to it. It was painted. I mean, I, I don't understand your point. I, I get your question though, it's not bad, but you don't want to make changes because um first of all, if you want to paint something, go paint don't go start with a new canvas. Go to one of those wine and painting places, those paint bars or whatever, and, and try your hand that way. Don't uh don't fuck with somebody else's stuff because you think it looks like something that belongs in a generic hotel hallway. And, and you know what? Maybe you would hung, hang it. Put it in your bathroom or, or, or throw it some in, in like a hallway or something. And, you know, and it, there's, there's always a spot for a painting, in, in my opinion. Or even if it's a silly painting, you, you frame it really nice and you put it somewhere. And, you know, maybe it's like, you know what? This painting isn't that bad. I mean, it's one of those things that... Um, you know, you kind of take into consideration, but it's a, it, it's a painting. Your friend made it for you, and even though, yeah, you want to be supportive. Well, if you want to be supportive, don't don't change the painting. So that is the end of Dig.com's Q and A. Uh, that is basically the end of this week's podcast. I did want to leave on a final note here, uh, as we're recording here from the sandbox. Right now, there's a lot of stupid people. Now. I'm not talking about those, like, right now in politics. There's plenty of retards in politics, plenty of stupid people in your workplace, there's plenty of stupid people in your family. God knows I have stupid people in my family. Um, the, and not the ones I'm seeing this weekend. That those They're, they're relatively intelligent. Um, I'm just talking about dumb, people who do dumb things um, as far as celebrities go. I try not to take things celebrities say too seriously because at the end of the day they're just moldings for the next um uh art piece or the next movie or whatever they're they're hollow shells that get that get filled by directors and these people are they're not are they people yes a lot, some of them are but you can tell who is just basically full of shit uh just by getting a picture of them they do stupid shit and I just want to leave you with um, a picture of a couple that was together for a while and then broke up for a very long time as she basically went through the freaking, you know, ringer of people and then all of a sudden ended up back with the same guy. But I want to show you a, a picture of two very stupid people that you should never consider role models. That you should never look at for an opinion. For many different reasons. And, well, let's just kind of put... That's Ben Affleck. And that's Jennifer... That's uh, Jennifer Lopez. These two are making out at, like, the Emmys or something. Both wearing masks. 
Why are they wearing masks? Well, California is a stupid state with a stupid governor who makes stupid rules. California is filled with stupid people who do stupid things and vote in very stupid ways. These two are wearing masks that, well, from the looks of it, one of them definitely doesn't work for pretty much anything. And, uh, yeah. And the two of them are making out. They're also outside. What? Tell me what about this picture makes any fucking sense. And obviously they're doing this for the camera because you can tell by the snapping of the photos and stuff. So they're doing this for optics. If you, if a, if a person or a couple are doing something like this for optics, they're stupid people. These two are stupid. Jennifer Lopez, you're a fucking idiot. Ben Affleck, you're definitely a dumbass. I mean. I like Matt Damon. He's far more talented than you. And uh, it goes to show here that he far he definitely makes more intelligent decisions than you do. But I just wanted to leave you with this final picture here of two very dumb people doing a very dumb thing for very dumb reasons. I don't understand it. Actually, no, I do understand it because this is I do understand why stupid people do stupid things for stupid reasons. And here's a great example of it. Two morons in South Los Angeles making out with masks on. That's great. Congratulations to you. You bloated fuckheads. Anyways, you can find me on social medias. You can go ahead and email me, positive sarcasm at outlook.com. Let me get a picture. Dumb. He's and then douche my computer's hard drive. <sighs> yeah, that one kind of brought it down a bit. But yeah. Just maybe once a week I should show you a picture of stupid people doing stupid things. Maybe get a better idea. Um, but yeah. I stand by that. So, in the meantime, find me on social media. Email me directly. Questions, concerns, comments, blah, 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 blah. If you have questions about where I am by the Seacoast, you can also email me directly. I have all kinds of things and all kinds of stories. And uh, I just look forward to getting back in the swing of things. And uh, that's pretty much it for this week's podcast. Uh, thank you to everybody who stuck with me uh, through this past year. I know it's been weird and very introspective and very uh, It's been a struggle. It's been a struggle. And I didn't do anything for optics. I tried to tell a story the best I could given the situation. And the optics were difficult. Um, for me to watch. But, and a lot of times this shit didn't make any sense. It didn't. Because I was just trying to figure things out in my own head. Well, that craziness, think about it. All that weirdness and all that stuff that didn't make any sense and all that craziness and all that odd talk, well, it got me here. So apparently there's something to it. I am here. I had a dream for 10 years. I want to move to the seacoast. I want to live and breathe by the seacoast. And despite everything that transpired, guess who's here living by the seacoast? Your boy. So guess what? If you think I'm crazy, or you think I say stupid shit, or you think I got a big mouth, or you think I don't know what I'm talking about, I got news for you, pals. I'm here. So, maybe take some of my advice. 
Because I'm proving points here day in and day out. If you truly want something, whether it's this, that, the other thing, small, big, you fucking aim dead center at it and you never take no for an answer. Go. And you go. And you go. And you do not stop. And you push all the bullshit and the Netflix and the fucking... Uh, 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 you know, drinking out with friends, you push it all aside like a shark. You swim towards that target. And you don't stop until you get there. You don't stop until that dream is on your doorstep. This is a, this is a dream. And I'm living it here now. And I look forward to sharing more stuff with you coming up. But until then, thank you for listening, watching, and subscribing. And I'll talk to you all in the next episode. Recorded here from the Sandbox. This has been a positive sarcasm presentation. <laughs>